Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Just a reminder, if you want to follow A Bigger Life on Twitter, you can follow us at A Bigger Life Pod. And that way you can know when new episodes are coming. Sometimes we give sneak peeks, previews of what's to come and whatever else is to come when it comes to interacting with people's questions and things like that. Uh, We'll see. You know, we're new on Twitter, so we'll see how it evolves. Here's a question I have. What's your image of prayer? I mean, you have one. When you think of the question, should I pray, an image comes to your mind or I'm going to pray, an image comes to your mind. Now, for me... Uh, at least most of my Christian life, that image is somewhat negative in the sense that it seems boring, it seems hard, it seems like something not naturally uh, a thing I would do. And a lot of that comes from stereotypes from movies. The people who pray seem boring, they seem religious, they seem people with a, a monk outfit who don't seem to be mainstream culture people, and we wouldn't probably hang out with them. And I think whatever image comes to your mind when you think of prayer is going to be a motivating, whether negatively motivating you, you don't want to pray, or positively. What are you doing when you pray? Sometimes I think of when Jesus prayed, and it's a better picture for me because I don't think Jesus was the kind of person you wouldn't want to be with. By all impressions we get from reading the gospel stories, crowds of people wanted to be with Jesus so much that he just found it really hard to be alone. So I think if we think of prayer as something Jesus did, then we want to know what it looked like when Jesus prayed. It's easy to miss it when you read the Gospels, because when we read something, we're looking for action. But sometimes the greatest thing happening in a story is when the action isn't. At least that's true with the Gospels. Sometimes the greatest thing that's happening is where the action isn't. And if you pay attention to Jesus praying, looking for ways that the gospel starts to talk about it, you start to see it everywhere. Jesus slipping away by himself to pray or, or lifting his eyes to heaven in the midst of some conversation or in the midst of some event before he does a miracle or whatever and praying. I love the very imaginable picture that the gospel of Mark describes here in Mark one thirty five. It says, And you have to use your imagination. So use your imagination to put yourself in this setting and to imagine it, the slow action of it. It's quiet. And let's think about this in that sense when we read this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now just imagine the action there. Jesus, it's still dark Everybody's asleep, and Jesus, you can just see him getting up off of his bed, and he's he's leaving the house, and he's going off to find some solitary place, some lonely place where he prayed. Simon, it says, Simon's Peter, Simon and his companions went to look for him. So they wake up later, they're looking around, where's Jesus? They went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, they were speaking out loud in a way that's like, what the heck? They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Can you picture this? Jesus is 
knowing that he's going to have everybody looking for him. He gets up early before anybody else gets up. Everybody else is asleep. And he gets up when it's still dark, it says. And he goes and leaves the house and finds in the dark a lonely place somewhere and prays. It makes you feel exhausted for Jesus just reading it. Like the mom of four kids, you know, who who's happy just to use the bathroom so she can shut the door for a minute and get away by herself. But it wasn't to get away that Jesus got up and left the house while it was still dark. It was to draw near to God. It was to draw near to his father all alone, just the two of them. Now, you have to picture this as something's happening here when Jesus is praying Something big is happening, but the action is really slow, and we don't notice it when we read it. He's just with God, the two of them. But why not just lay there in his bed to pray? I mean, that would be possible, right? Why get up and go off, it says, go off to a solitary place? But why not just lay there and pray? Why Why go through all the, you know, he wakes up, it's still dark. Why not just lay there in the quiet and pray? Why get up and go, as Mark says, go off to a solitary place? I mean, that's a lot of effort just to pray. In Luke, he describes a similar scenario. It's not the same story told a different way. It's a different story. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Luke is saying there in kind of a general sense without giving a specific story, the story that we read in Mark 1 is something that Jesus apparently did often. He was getting alone to be with God. And to Jesus, getting alone was part of the importance of being with God, getting away from everybody else, getting away from all the distractions, getting away from all the other action in his life. So when you think about these words that Luke just said, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Sometimes the greatest thing happening is where the action isn't. So so what did Jesus know? Here's a question. What did Jesus know about prayer that I don't know, that I don't think of when I think of prayer? When I imagine prayer... I'm imagining it differently, apparently, because I don't have this strong desire to go and get alone somewhere and be with God like Jesus did. No doubt Jesus was speaking out of his own personal experience when he says in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, but when you pray, he's talking to his disciples. And what's interesting here is that that personal pronoun you, in the Greek language, it can either be plural, like y'all, or it's singular, and it's very specified in the Greek language. And so you, when you look at this verse that it was originally written in, when you look at this verse in the Greek language, it's it's singular. So it's, it's interesting that Jesus is talking about the singular you. He's talking to the individual. When, when you get alone, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is telling us to see prayer the way, the same way he sees prayer. It's a just me. It's a singular you. It's just me and God as my father alone. 
God is unseen, no doubt, but he sees and he's with me in secret. Even when I go into my room and close the door, I'm there alone with God. And Jesus says, and God will reward you. And I think about, you know, uh, when God said to Abraham uh, in Genesis 15:1, I am your very great reward. Uh, at least that's how the NIV translates it. Or in Hebrews 11:6, 6, when it says anyone who comes to God, who draw, draws near to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who seek him. So it, this is this is something about prayer that I think we miss and that there's a a reward in some way. I don't, it's not like we're going to get paid some sort of pile of cash for praying. It's a, it's that God is this reward that we don't normally think of and imagine when we imagine prayer. That there's a, a reward. There's this sense of worthness that comes when we get alone to worship God, which is what worship means. It's worship. We're ascribing worth to God, and what we really don't realize is that when we do that something worth far more than we realize is happening in us and to us. God is is becoming our very great reward. And Jesus here is talking about finding, like he does, finding a time and a place where the action isn't so that we can be alone with God as our heavenly father. Now listen to the imagery Jesus uses to emphasize how getting alone to be with God who he wants us to see him as our heavenly father. That's an emphasis Jesus says over and over again. We don't want to take that lightly, that the God that created this universe wants to be our seen as our heavenly father, wants to have that intimate image come to our mind. Now, we don't normally have an intimate image necessarily when we think of father, but Jesus is wanting us to think of the ideal, not the, not the misuse of sinful fathers were... I'm a father and I'm a sinful father. I'm not a great image necessarily of God as father in lots of ways, probably most ways. But there's an ideal here that Jesus wants us to have in our mind when we think of the ideal father, what we wish father would have always been. And that's God. And so to be getting alone to be with your father is its own reward. Go into your room, he says, and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen, but who sees you in secret. To Jesus, prayer is when the infinite God is alone with me. We can't really get our mind around that. But God is looking at me intently and intimately as if it's just he and I alone in secret. We're all alone with each other. That's how Jesus wants us to think of prayer. And that's actually possible with an infinite God. Remember, the name of God is Yahweh, which is the Hebrew word for he is. And God calls himself the I am in Exodus chapter 3 when he says to Moses, when Moses asks his name, tell them I am sent you. And that is a lot of things. But one thing it really is, is this sense of God's presence. He always is with us. And so that's why Hebrews eleven six says, whoever draws near to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him, that he is always with us. He is the I am. He's an infinite God. And so infinite means that there's never a sense of using any of it up. So that it means that God can be with us 100% without being anywhere, any way less. And so he's with us 100%, and Jesus really wants us to have that 
in our mind, that image in our mind when we think of prayer. So we have to use our imagination. And I, and I do this when I'm thinking of God as my Father, as you know, I've said this before, but when I zoom out in my mind, in my imagination, and I think of the God who created and still sustains this universe with its hundreds of billions of galaxies, and I'm just imagining in my mind pictures I've seen that have all these galaxies in it. And I think of the, the, the universe that has hundreds of billions of those galaxies. And I, and I kind of zoom in on one. And each of these galaxies contains their, their own hundreds of billions of stars like our sun. And, and I'm zooming in even more now on a star. Each, each star has their orbit of planets. And now I'm zooming in on a planet in my mind and each planet having its moons or moon and I'm zooming in on a moon and each moon having its craters and mountains and rocks. And now I'm zooming in on a crater and I'm zooming in in my mind on a piece of dust on a moon orbiting a planet, orbiting a star in one of those galaxies containing hundreds of billions of stars. And on that piece of dust, God is right there 100% looking at that rock, present with that dust, present with that creator on that moon. And then I zoom back out and back in again to me, to how according to Jesus, according to God who became a human and is teaching us about God, that same God 100% intently and intimately, and that's a key word, intimately, not just intently, but intently too, intimately and infinitely sees me and is alone with me in secret. Just, just God and me. And he wants me to call him Father in this just God alone with me kind of way, intimately. No wonder Jesus... It says in Mark, while it was still dark, got up and left the house and prayed in a lonely place. And, and Luke says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I want to learn to pray like that. I want to learn to see prayer like that. I think if I saw prayer the way Jesus saw prayer, I would want to pray more. And I... I want to see prayer the way Jesus saw prayer because Jesus was God. And Jesus knows exactly what prayer is. If there's anybody who understands prayer, it's Jesus. And understanding prayer the way Jesus understood it, he got alone. He often withdrew to lonely places. And while it was still dark, he got up and he left the house and found a lonely, solitary place to be with God as his father and, you know, I don't know what your life is like. I know what my life is like. I don't necessarily have to get up at four in the morning when it's still dark to find a lonely place to pray. But uh, you might. And it might be something where you're thinking, well, I'm just exhausted. How can I be more exhausted by getting less sleep? Well, I don't know. Maybe you need to go to bed earlier, watch less TV at night. I don't, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty because we all have these situations that are different for each of us. And so my schedule is not going to work on your schedule. Your schedule is not going to work on my schedule. But if you took 10 minutes and asked yourself, how can I, you know, find a way to, to get a lonely place that's a routine in my life, a time and a place where I can just be alone with God? Maybe that's the time you listen to this podcast two days a week. 
And then another two days a week, you you do it yourself. You get a psalm out and you read it or you pray through the Lord's Prayer like we did in episodes back on how to pray through the Lord's Prayer in more of a expansive kind of way. Uh, but you find ways to get alone with God and experience the reward of the God that created this universe being your very great reward because you're getting alone with him who sees you intently and intimately in secret. He's alone with you. You could even use this verse here in Matthew 6, 6. It's just sort of a way to, to start off getting the right image in your mind when you pray and you just pray. Thinking of yourself alone with God and you say, God, I am alone with you. You are my father. And it's just you and me right now alone and you see me and you are with me 100% and you are intently looking at me, Jesus says, and you are intimately looking at me because you are my heavenly father. You love me as your child. You look at me with the eyes of steadfast love, the eyes of rejoicing in me and delighting in me. I can't see you with my eyes, but I can see you with the eyes of my heart. I can imagine you right now with me, delighting in me with your steadfast love. I can imagine you right now with me, as Jesus says, just you and me. It's the singular you. Go alone. Get alone into your room. Go when you pray into your room. Close the door. And pray to your Father who is unseen. I don't see you, but I, I know that you're here. I know that you're here with me 100%. I know that you're with that rock on that moon in that galaxy a billion light years away from here. And you're also with me right now 100%. The God that created and sustained this entire universe is with me right now, with me alone. And you are my reward. When I seek you, you are the one who fills my life, satisfies my life with your presence, with your glory, with your beauty, with your goodness, with your steadfast love, with your faithfulness to your promises, your faithfulness to me. You are faithful to me. You are with me. You love me with steadfast love and faithfulness. You are my Father who always knows what is best for me. You always know what I need. And you're always going to give me my best life, and I trust you. I submit to you, I bow my head to you, and I rest in your will for my life. I don't have to fight to get my best life. I can trust you. I can trust your will, just like Jesus did. I want to get alone with you, get away from where the action is, because the greatest thing happening is where the action isn't, where I am alone with you worshiping you, praying to you, talking to you 
about my concerns, talking to you about my worries, talking to you about the things that I'm anxious about, being honest with you about my sadness, being honest with you about my griefs, being honest with you about the things that I'm disappointed in, the things that frustrate me, being honest with you about my hurts, talking with you about my joys, talking with you about the things that I'm excited about, talking with you about the things that I hope happen, asking you for things that I want, asking you for things that I want to happen, having a relationship with you, talking about my day, talking about my friendships, my marriage, my family, talking with you about my work, talking with you about the things that I want to accomplish and I want to do a good job in and do well, talking to you about my concerns with work or my concerns with my money or my concerns about my house or my concerns about my car, the things that I think about that I would think about with you, process with you, just like I would my closest relationships. I see you now with the eyes of my heart, with me, looking at me. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you look at me as a co-heir with Christ. You don't look at me as somebody who's an outsider. You look at me as an insider in Christ and Christ in me. And so, as Jesus says in John 17, that you love me just as much as you love Jesus because you see Jesus in me and you see me as who I will be in the resurrection without sin. That's the person you see me as now. And so you delight in me and you love me and you want to be with me. You created me to exist in your universe and you want me to be with you. Jesus taught me to come to you because you want me to come to you. You give me all these psalms in the Bible to pray because you want to give me things to pray when I come to you. I want to imagine prayer this way, the way Jesus prayed. I want to see it as this reward, as this best moment in my day worth getting up early for, worth finding a lonely, solitary place to be alone with you, worth doing what it takes to make it important in my day to get away from all the action because the greatest thing happening in my life is where the action isn't. And that's where I'm with you alone. To lift up my eyes off of myself and to see you and to worship you. God of glory, God of power, God of steadfast love, God of perfect wisdom, God of exceeding joy, God of goodness, God of grace, God of mercy, God of righteousness and holy splendor and majesty and beauty. And I am with you now and you are transforming me into greater glory by your Holy Spirit who is in me. You are transforming me to be more and more like your son, the perfect image of God, to live as the image of God in my relationships, 
to work as the image of God in my work, to love as the image of God, whoever I'm with, to have this confidence, this vertical confidence that God is my father and I am your child. That's the story my life is in. That's the narrative of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.